This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Stephen Jarvis, and today we're going to talk about the history of the Dallas Cowboys, the 1960s version of them. Um, also, welcome back to the show. This is Stephen Jarvis and Friends Podcast. Uh, go over, if you want to check out the podcast of the month for February, uh, Spoil My Movie and World's True Crime Podcast are both the podcasts of the month for uh, the Deluxe Edition Network. But anyway, let's get into this. So the Dallas Cowboys in the 60s were pretty much created to head off the AFL. Um, and it goes like they're, they're the NFL's first modern era expansion team. The NFL was late in awarding Dallas after Lamar Hunt was rebuffed in his efforts to acquire an NFL franchise for Dallas. He became part of a group of owners that formed the American Football League with Hunt's AFL franchise in Dallas, known as the Texans, later to become the Kansas City Chiefs. In an effort not to cede the South to the AFL, the NFL awarded Dallas a franchise, but not until after the 1960 college draft had been held. As a result, the NFL's first-ever expansion team played its inaugural season without the benefit of a college draft. Originally... The formation of an NFL expansion team in Texas was met with strong opposition by Washington Redskins, now commander's owner, well, back in the day, George Preston Marshall. Despite being located in the nation's capital, Marshall's Redskins had enjoyed a monopoly as the only NFL team to represent the American South for over 20 years since moving from Boston in 1937. Marshall was not about to give up the Redskins status as the professional football team at Dixie without a fight. His inestigence came as little surprise to Dallas would-be owners Clint Mershkin Jr. and Bedford Wynn. To ensure the birth of their franchise or the, of their expansion team, the men bought the rights to the Redskins fight song, hailed to the Redskins, and threatened to refuse to allow Washington to play the song at games. Needing the song, Marshall changes mind, and the city of Dallas was granted an NFL franchise on January 28, 1960. This early confrontation between the two franchises helped trigger what became one of the most heated. National Football League rivalries, which continues to this day. The team was first known as the Dallas Steers, then the Dallas Rangers. On, 19, on March 19, 1960, the organization announced that the team name was the Cowboys to avoid confusion with the American Association Dallas Rangers baseball team, or AA. The founding investors of the Dallas Cowboys were Clint Mershkin Jr., 45%, John D. Mershkin, 45%, along with minority shareholders Toddy Lee and Bedford Wayne, director and secretary, 5%, and William R. Hahn, 5%. The new owners subsequently hired CBS Sports executive and former Los Angeles Rams general manager Tech Schramm as president and general manager. San Francisco's 
San Francisco 49ers scout Gil Brandt as player personnel director and New York Giants defensive coordinator Tom Landry as head coach. Now, a little bit of trivia here. Had the NFL allowed Lamar Hunt to buy a franchise in the NFL and become the Dallas Texans or whatever, um, we would have never had the AFL. And also, the Minnesota Vikings were an original AFL franchise, but jumped to become an NFL franchise when um, they were uh, wooed by late the late owner of the Chicago Bears, uh, George Hallis. And the Vikings missed out on a very good opportunity of playing in a new league. Um, who knows what would have happened had the Vikings stayed with the AFL, but they pretty much, and this was before they were even the Vikings. They were still a Minnesota team. They were going to be in the AFL, but then at the 11th hour or whatever, they decided to be an NFL franchise and then became the Vikings, so on and so forth. And also one of uh, um, Lamar Hunt's first trying to attempt to hire was Tom Landry, but Tom Landry didn't was like, well, this league ain't going to work out and all that. So then Lamar Hunt for the AFL had to settle on Hank, Hank Stram, which wasn't a bad coaching decision at all, seeing as how the Chiefs and Dallas Texans at that time were one of the best teams in the AFL. So uh, 1960 to 1964, the early struggles of the Dallas Cowboys. 1960, winless first year. The, the Cowboys began play in 1960 and played their home games a few miles east of downtown Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. For their first three seasons, they shared this stadium with the Dallas Texans, now the Kansas City Chiefs franchise, who began play in the American Football League that same year. The 1960 Cowboys finished their inaugural cha- campaign, zero wins, 11 losses, and one tie, with a roster largely made of subpar players, many well past their prime. And also, um, the first quarterback that they literally got was Dandy Don Meredith, who would later, you know, after he retires, he goes to um, into broadcasting on Monday Night Football and also an actor. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. Um, The following year, the the Cowboys made their first college draft selection, taking TCU Horned Frogs defensive tackle Bob Lilly with the 13th pick in the draft. Although the Cowboys finished with the league's worst record in 1960 the first overall selection in the 61 draft was given to the expansion team minnesota vikings the 61 season also saw the cowboys pick up their first victory in franchise history a win over the pittsburgh steelers in the first game of the season the cowboys had played the steelers in their first ever regular season game only the year before the cowboys finished their second campaign with an overall four wins nine losses one tie in 1962 dallas improved slightly going Five, eight, and one. After the season, the Cowboys became the sole professional football franchise in the Dallas Fort Worth area as the AFL's Dallas Texans, despite winning the 62 AFL championship by a score of 20 to 17 in double overtime, 
moved to Kansas City and became the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs eventually joined the NFL as part of the 1970 AFL-NFL merger. In 1963, Dallas fell back to four wins and ten losses. In 1964, they posted another 5-8-1 campaign. During this period, the Cowboys had the misfortune of being associated as the city where President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. The Cowboys' success later in the decade largely contributed to restoring civic pride in Dallas after the assassination. During the early and mid-60s, the Cowboys gradually built the contender. Quarterback Don Meredith was acquired in 1960. Running back Don Perkins, linebacker Chuck Howley, and Lilly were acquired in 61. Linebacker Leroy Jordan in 63. Cornerback Mel Renfo in 64. And wide receiver Bullet Bob Haynes and running back Dan Reeves in 1965. 1965 to 1969. First tastes of success and next year's champions. In 1965, the Cowboys went 7 and 7, achieving a 500 record for the first time. In 66, the Cowboys posted their first winning season, finishing atop the Eastern Conference with a 10 3 and 1 record. Dallas sent eight players to the Pro Bowl that year, including Howley. Meredith Perkins and future Pro Football Hall of Fame members Hayes, Lilly, and Renfro. In their first po- ever postseason appearance, the Cowboys faced the Green Bay Packers in the 1966 NFL Championship game with the trip to the first ever Super Bowl on the line. Green Bay defeated Dallas 34 to 27 by stopping the Cowboys on a goal line stand with 28 seconds remaining, and went on to win. Super Bowl won 35-10 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Despite this, 1966 marked the start of an NFL record, setting eight consecutive postseason appearances for the Cowboys. Dallas later broke its own record with nine consecutive trips to the playoffs between 1975 and 1983, a record that was tied by the Indianapolis Colts when they reached the playoffs every year from 2022 to or 2002 to 2010, and broken by the 2009 through 2019 New England Patriots. It was also the beginning of a still NFL record streak of 20 consecutive winning seasons that extended through 1985. That same year, the Cowboys adopted the practice of hosting Thanksgiving games. It is widely rumored that the Cowboys sought a guarantee that they would regularly... regularly, regularly host Thanksgiving games as a condition of their very first one since games on days other than Sunday were uncommon at the time and thus high attendance was not a certainty. This is only partly true. Dallas had in fact decided to host games on Thanksgiving by their own decision because there was nothing else to do or watch on that day with the exception of 75 and 77. The Cowboys have hosted a game every Thanksgiving day since. In 1967, the Cowboys finished with a 9-5 record and had their first playoff victory, a 52-14 route of the Cleveland Browns. They went on to face the Packers in the 1967 NFL Championship game, a rematch of the 66 NFL Championship game with their winner advancing to Super Bowl II. The game, which happened on December 31st, 1967 at Lambeau Field in Green Bay, turned out to be the coldest NFL game in history about negative 13 degrees Fahrenheit with negative 40 degree wind chill. The Cowboys lost 27 to 17 on a 
21 to 17 on a one yard quarterback sneak by Packers quarterback Bart Starr with 16 seconds remaining. The game later became known as the Ice Bowl. Green Bay went on to win the Super Bowl again, this time against the Oakland Raiders. Dallas remained one of the NFL's top teams for the remainder of the 1960s, easily winning their division in 1968 with a 12-2 record and in 1969 with an 11-2-1 mark. Each season, however, ended with a decisive loss to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns in turn lost in the NFL championship game to the Baltimore Colts and Minnesota Vikings in the 1968 and 1969 seasons, respectively. The 68 Colts and 69 Vikings, the Colts end up losing Super Bowl three and Minnesota losing Super Bowl four to the New York Jets and Kansas City Chiefs, respectively. Repeated failures to achieve their ultimate goal earned the Cowboys the nickname next year's champions and a reputation for not being able to win the big one. Peter Gent, a wide receiver with Dallas from 1964 to 68, later wrote a book called North Dallas 40 based on his observations and experiences with the team. This book was made into a movie of the same name in 1979. The book and movie depicted many of the team's players as carousing, drug-abusing partiers, callously used by the team, and then tossed aside when they became too injured to continue playing productively. In 1969, ground was broken on a new stadium for the Cowboys to replace the Cotton Bowl. Texas Stadium in Irving, a Dallas suburb, was completed during the 1971 season. At the end of the decade, the historians Robert A. Colvert, Donald E. Chipman, and Randolph Campbell wrote the Dallas Cowboys in the NFL, an inside study of the organization and financing of the team. A reviewer describes the Cowboys as a vital cog of an industry that occupies an important segment of American time and attention a sophisticated industry that has worked out complex statistics to select the best thrower of a forward pass and has reformed television habits. And also something to note, 1969 would be the last year for Dandy Don Meredith as he would retire after losing in the NFL championship game again to or not the NFL championship game, but he lost a playoff game in 1969 to Kansas, or not Kansas, fuck. Sorry, guys. Um, he lost, The Dallas Cowboys would lose to the Cleveland Browns at that time, and Dandy Don not seemingly getting much support by his coach decided to retire. Um, next time, we will talk about the 1970s and their Super Bowl appearances, their Super Bowl wins, and pretty much how they almost became the team of the decade in the 70s. So um, also, thank you from the bottom of my heart for the amazing support that everyone has given to this podcast and still continues to. Um, couldn't have done it without you. Thank you to the network that keeps, you know, dealing with me. Um and also, I want to throw a shout out to uh, my co-host, who is now going to be hosting his own podcast on February 10th at 8.30 Eastern Time. That is Talking Shit. Um, <laughs> talking and then S-H-T-T-T. Um, go check them out. Mark and Brian are great people. 
hopefully you guys like them, you know, subscribe to them, help them out, you know, like, comment, do the same with the, the stuff for this podcast too, because we need your guys' help. Without you guys, without the fans, without our loyal supporters, our channels don't grow. And we want to grow because then we can buy better things to make the podcast even better. Um, pretty soon, hopefully, I'll have my new, um, I don't know if it's going to be used as a logo or as my intro, but hopefully we will get that taken care of, and hopefully you all have a wonderful day. Also, don't forget on this video and the video I did yesterday interviewing Mark and Brian, give them a like, you know, um, comment, and if you haven't yet, please subscribe as it does help the channel grow. And if you don't want to miss a single video of the podcast, please also hit the notification bell as it is free. Same thing with subscribing. It's all free, you know. And also, if you don't listen on YouTube, go to Spotify, Buzzsprout, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts to find Stephen Jarvis and Friends Podcast. And remember, podcasts of the month are Spoil My Movie and World's True Crime. Thank you all, and this is Stephen Jarvis, in the immortal words of Dandy Don Meredith and Willie Nelson, turn out the lights, the party's over. They all say good things come to an end. Sorry about the singing, I know I'm horrible. But thank you very much, love you, and I'll talk to you all later.